This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Hello and welcome to the City Report podcast. I am Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. How are things in the world of Adam, Mr Booker? Things are good. I'm. Uh, we were just talking before hitting record. I'm back in the swing of playing football, both uh, seven aside and eleven aside, after breaking my leg last season. Uh, so that's that's nice. I had my second game last night. The weather is warm here again, uh, and I don't have to watch City struggle to break down a 15 man low block for the next two weeks. So life is good. Life could hardly be any better then. That sounds superb. I, yeah, I, I was playing football again last night, um, five aside for me. So lots of running, lots of running. And as the years tick by on my time on this planet, running seems to become a, a considerably more difficult, difficult task. But it was even more difficult yesterday, actually, because I'd, I'd only got back from Southampton a, a few hours before. A very, very early get up on Sunday morning for the Southampton game. Very long drive on a coach, fantastic coach from Bradbury. A good group of City fans there. I had, I had fun on that. Decent day out, pretty late return, but it was all worth it in the end. City progressing to the semi-finals of the FA Cup for the fourth consecutive season. Fifth time in the last six seasons into the last four. And that's obviously courtesy of a 4-1 win over Southampton at St. Mary's. Before we get into that, just a little bit of admin. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, it would be absolutely fantastic and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and a review. It helps us out loads. And if you're on any other sort of podcast streaming platforms, 
hit that review button, hit that like button if you can. Share it with any of the friends that you may have that may want to listen to us ramble on for a little bit. And on that note, let's get into it then. Southampton game, what were your sort of takeaways from the performance? Because it felt like a game of two halves, to use that old cliche. Yeah, I think both Kevin De Bruyne and, and Pep Guardiola said it best after the game. You know, they they both said in separate interviews that they were good for the opening 20 minutes and the final 20 minutes and, and everything in between was a bit rough, uh, a bit sloppy, a bit disjointed. I think it has to be said that Southampton have proved to be a really difficult team for City this season. You know, I think what we took two points off of them in the league uh, out of two games and, you know, through 270 minutes of football against them, only about 40 of those minutes have gone City's way so far. For me, it's getting filed under the ever-growing list of frustrating Manchester City performances in the spring of 2022, which is a it's a niche topic, but it seems to just keep getting worse and worse. Um, like you say, Southampton are a horrific team to play against, the proper City kryptonite, as we've mentioned before, and I am mightily, mightily glad that's the back of them for another campaign at least. But yeah, that period between taking the lead in the first half and um, Laporte's own goal was was it was really difficult to watch. It felt like that that Southampton equaliser was coming, and it wasn't really a surprise, especially in the stadium. You know, it wasn't a surprise to see them get the goal. There seems to be a growing trend of City's back five, back six, including Rodri, just not being able to play out under pressure. And I don't particularly think Southampton pressed that well, but there were, there were just some unforced errors that seemed pretty farcical at times. I don't know if you picked up on them or what you thought of those. Yeah, it was really sloppy when they were playing out of the back. I, I don't necessarily feel like they can't play out under pressure. I think in recent weeks they've been a bit flustered and haven't done it well. But if you look back at, you know, earlier in the season, like especially our early season trip to Anfield, they had a superb game there playing out of, you know, playing out against probably the best press in Europe. Um, you know, it could, it's likely just current form. Um, but I'd say the good news is, is that it's not a huge concern going forward if you look at the teams that City have yet to play. When I look ahead to basically the rest of the season, we obviously don't know what happens in the Champions League, we if we if we go through against Atletico Madrid, uh, we don't know who's going to go through in the other game. Um, but if you look at the games that are already guaranteed, the only teams that are really going to press like that the rest of the season are Liverpool and Leeds. Both of those games are in April. Most of the other teams aren't going to press that way, and they're going to sit back. Um, and we spoke earlier already that Southampton have troubled City a lot this year. Their press has been very very good. The way that they they cut off the passing lanes from the keeper with the, the front two. And then the two behind the front two, they cut off the passing lanes to the fullbacks. And it leaves Rodri on an island by himself with no options or the keeper on an island by himself with, with no options. So, again, tough team in Southampton to play out against. But City, like you said, made a lot of mistakes that they, they haven't typically made this season. I bet Rodri being on an island on his own would be really fun, like a tropical island. I wonder what he'd take. Um, but yeah, it's his interesting. Books, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Professor of Seedonomics. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting because we, we mentioned after the injury to Ruben Diaz that the two centre-backs who were coming in were probably City's best two footballing centre-backs, whereas in the games where they've been missing, probably by the United game, 
it, there has seems to be a little bit of an issue with Laporte and Stones actually playing those passes, which isn't the sort of uh, the, the issues that you'd associate with them to. So hopefully Ruben Diaz will be back after the international break and, and that may be shored up a little bit. But in terms of the other end, it did look at one point as if City weren't going to find a way past Southampton, but find a way they did. And nice cameos from Phil Foden and Riyad Mahrez, who, who really do continue to prove their worth for City's attacks. Their goals helped City go through to the semi-finals, where we'll meet Liverpool at Wembley. Presumably, you leapt up with joy when that came out of the hat and, and we were met with Liverpool. Easy draw, right? <laughs> I mean, it felt it felt inevitable in all honesty um, that we would get them. That's just the the way the gods had planned it. Um, but look, I came on here a few weeks ago and said that I don't believe in the narrative that this is the Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp era. I know I took a lot of heat from Liverpool fans for that, um, but a huge part of that is the fact that while they have they have been the two most successful teams in England since 2016 when, when Pep came into the club. They haven't actually had to go through each other for titles that much. You know, City have won three league titles in that time. Liverpool finished second only once. Um, City have won five domestic cups, never played Liverpool in any of those cups to uh, on the way to victory. So I find it hard to see the comparisons to like the Real Madrid Barcelona era, the Mourinho and Pep era, when they were basically playing each other for every single title. They, they met in Champions League semifinals, Copa del Rey finals, and c- mm. consistently number one and number two in Spain. Whereas now that, that narrative for me is starting to change in the final few months of this season because it's looking like both City and Liverpool can be the two teams to kind of do a clean sweep of all yeah, the titles yeah. on offer, and they'll have to go through each other to do it. So it, to me, it felt inevitable, and, and that narrative is certainly starting to change in my mind. Well, at least we can't have the the trio or, or the the two finals at the end of the season, and then including the league game as well. I think it was you who sent a tweet out actually, and you said that if Liverpool pull off the league or pull off the Champions League, or you know even both, or, or even do all four, God, heaven forbid that happens. That it, it will start to shift a little bit, and, and there will sort of be a you know more legitimacy to that Klopp era. You sent that tweet out, right? That, I've not yeah. just imagined that in my sleep, yeah. And it, it does feel like that there's that sort of not 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 necessarily pendulum swinging, but City have won an unholy amount of trophies since Pep Guardiola came in, and sort of goes a little bit under the radar a little bit. And um, Liverpool doing the same would would it'd be a fantastic achievement for them. And you know, we, we say it many times: the team that lifts a trophy at the end of the season usually ninety nine percent of the time is the best team to do so. But before going to sort of football inside of the show, I just wanted to pick up on something over in this country with the travel situation and understand we have a fair few international listeners so we'll keep this brief but uh, for those that are aware there's currently no trains running between Manchester or Liverpool to London Euston which is like the main sort of uh, central station for sort of uh, northern cities and towns going into London on the weekend of the game because of engineering work on the line now this is a bank holiday weekend in England which I have soon uh, sort of since found out that is the best time to do engineering work traditionally because apparently as much as I find it hard to believe less people travel um I think that basically just means any any white man in a suit isn't traveling that time everyone else can sort of be left to their own devices which it's bad enough with football, but but non-football fans commuting at a time as well is pretty bad. Um, 
but it, it, it's an utter disgrace from the FA really to schedule the semi-finals because these works were planned years in advance. This isn't just come out of the blue in the last couple of weeks and not gone right. Okay, we'll we'll choose that weekend, and the FA have been sort of left stranded a little bit. The FA could have seen this coming, and in fact, um, a report in the Daily Mail just uh, last night, at the time of recording this, came out and said they were warned in September, which is what six, seven months ago now. So. It isn't like they've been blindsided by it. And even just a general point, the fact the semi-finals are held at Wembley in the first place is a little bit stupid. Um, the decision to do so was brought in, for, for anyone that isn't aware, was brought in when the new Wembley was built and they, they had to pay over the odds to get that stadium completed. And it was sort of seen as a way that they can recuperate the funds a little bit and basically a cash cow money-making scheme. So before that, they, they were regionalised for fans. So you had places like Villa Park, Old Trafford and even Main Road back in the day would host FA Cup semi-finals and okay it's not going to be a 90,000 seat stadium you're going to have to cut um, a few of the fans out but it just seems as if it's uh, what are we nearly 12 months off the uh, the Super League business it just seems yet another sort of example from one of these organisations where they just a year ago they were telling us how much the fans meant and now suddenly you know City and Liverpool fans are going to have to be doing some sort of Bear grills expedition to find a way to get to this game I know Adam this is not perhaps something that immediately affects you and, and you know you have been to matches in England before and I don't know what your experience has been travel traveling like to, to games and stuff like that but it just seems to be getting worse and worse for fans over here. Yeah, no, I like I've said, I'm, I'm not a regular match-going fan, but I've followed City around England enough to to have a sense of the difficulties of the whole experience. And look, it's a complete joke that it wasn't immediately rectified in some way. It's a joke that it was scheduled that weekend in the first place, and it's a joke that it wasn't you know dealt with the second that they that they discovered this. And like you said, you know, we're only a year out from that disgraceful European Super League debacle, and you know. When that was finally in the rearview mirror, there was this really short and really beautiful period in which football fans felt like they had wrestled some of the power back from the suits of the game. How wrong were we? I mean, hey, 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 there, hey. there's absolutely, we still have absolutely no power, no say in anything that affects football fans on a day to day basis. Um, but look, I, I for one have always hated the fact that the FA Cup semifinals have been played at Wembley since the new Wembley came around because it takes away the whole magic of going to Wembley when your team makes it to a cup final. Um, But yeah, I don't see why this game can't just be played at Old Trafford or basically anywhere in the North or even the Midlands, somewhere that could be easier for, for city fans and Liverpool fans to get to. Yeah, exactly. I think, Take Crystal Palace for example. I know they've had a, a couple of Wembley visits in the last in the last few years, but for a club like that, the the reaching Wembley is a big deal. And, and I remember when City did it in twenty eleven, beating uh, Reading in the quarter final to set up the semi with, with United, and that felt huge at that point because City hadn't been to the new Wembley yet. But as the stadium's getting a little bit older, and as the sort of you'd hope the finances are starting to be recouped, it just it just seems farcical because you've got you've got clubs from the north of England and, and there was only a few months ago there were there were governing bodies asking supporters to make more environmentally friendly decisions when they were travelling and stuff like this happened. So, I mean, it, it may be announced, that the date hasn't been announced yet and it, it, well, let's expect it to be going through at Wembley. It's, it's sort of 
unexpected that anything will change, but it, it is just another sort of depressing footnote in what seems to be quite a, a quite a depressing episode of, of football uh, since since the turn of the year. Like yeah, again, we're discussing an issue that isn't necessarily going to be putting smiles on our faces. But let's park that behind us because we're going to get into the main topic of today, which is. Um, actually something that we put out on on Twitter through the City Report socials, Instagram, Facebook as well alongside that. And we just basically asked fans what they thought a successful season would look like for City during this campaign. We're obviously in the international break now. That's going to run for a couple of weeks. And considering we're entering the final couple of months of the season and the hunt for the treble is still on, we just wanted to sort of gauge where fans are with this campaign and what would constitute as a successful season. So the results are in and unsurprisingly, there's a little bit of split in opinion over this issue, which is very, very unlike City fans, I have to say. Um, We'll try and mention as many as we can. We've had absolutely loads that have come in, but one of the sort of most common answers seem to be winning one of the Premier League or the Champions League. And I'll just read off a few replies that we've had. City Cooking Oil has said if we win the Premier League or Champions League, that'd be successful. Dig Vijay has added Champions League or Premier League. FA Cup is a bonus. TJ9320 says any season where we win the league is successful and you are incredibly spoiled if you think otherwise. So, Adam, where are you aligning yourself on this debate? I think it goes without saying if City win the Champions League, it will be a successful season, whatever else happens. But if it is just going to be the Premier League for City this year, like some have mentioned, would you consider that a successful season? Yes, I think I think this question is or the answer to this question is a bit layered because you're asking me this now in late March when City are in in pole position to win multiple trophies. You know, we're two victories away from an FA Cup. Um, I think eight games left in a league season where you had an 11 point lead at one point um, and in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Now, if you had asked me this in, in uh, when does the season start? August? I would have. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it seems that far away. <laughs> um, if you had asked me this back in August, I probably would have said just pick up a trophy and, you know, get close to a Champions League final or, or whatever. Um, maybe that's kind of an old school city fan opinion. Um, but at this point where city are really in pole position to win multiple trophies, I think it would be a disappointment to not win the league for a start and to not win the FA cup. I think that's, that's where I'm at right now. Obviously there are some very difficult ties to go through. Um, but Asking me this in late March when City only have to win a few more games to win those trophies, I think that's probably where I stand. If we get to mid-May, I think that's when the season ends. It may be a little bit earlier, but if we get to mid-May and City don't win anything and we fall short in the league, get knocked out of the Champions League, get knocked out of the FA Cup, is it a failure? I, I, I sort of understand that's a bit of a loaded question and, and a difficult one to answer, but considering the entire context of the season, considering where City were at the beginning of the year, let's not forget there were reports that there was massive fractions within the group and the dressing room and a number of players wanted to leave and it felt a little bit like a a transition season. Transfer targets were missed out on, players got injured. We started the season on the back foot and then had that incredible run, which is 
for me, for my money, still going. It's one defeat in the league since since late October. But should City not win anything, is that a bad season? Has Pep Guardiola failed as City manager this year? This is where I'd say, again, it's layered. Because asking me this now, I would absolutely say, yes, it's a failure. Because of how far they've come. And I know there's still huge, huge hurdles for them to have to get over. But it's, you know... In such it's it's in such a small window of time. It's you know win the next seven or eight league games mm-hmm. in the FA Cup. It's it's win just two more games. Um, if you had asked me at the beginning of May and said or or at the beginning of the season and had said City won't win the league, but they'll still finish with ninety three points and Liverpool will win the league with ninety five or whatever the the projected points could be right now, yeah. then I would say. That you can't you can't have a ninety three point league season and call it a failure. You just mm. can't. Whereas looking at it from a point of when we had an eleven point lead earlier in the season or, or whatever the lead was at its at its peak, then I would say that's probably a bit of a failure to not come away with something out of what is panning out to be an incredible season. That's fair. That's fair. I'm gonna sort of unsurprisingly throw my pessimistic coin into the fountain here and and sort of not necessarily pessimistic in terms of City aren't going to win anything but say for example like we get to the end of the season and there's no trophies that are are being added to City's um, trophy cabinet then in the context of the campaign I I don't think it's going to be that much that it's not going to be that detrimental it's not like we're, we're just chasing Champions League or we, you know we're knocked out in the group stages or whatever and you mentioned there the, the short window and everything being incredibly close I think that can actually sort of fire back on City we're going to we're going to sort of analyze the schedule a bit later on and what's coming up after the international break but there is a a 13 day period where city season is hanging by a thread and obviously there's a game before the 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 big four that we're going to come on to but that the the margins for error are so slim and one defeat derails everything basically. So I I do think come the end of the season, if we're in a point where maybe Liverpool win it by a couple of games or, you know, a Champions League final doesn't appear or there's an FA Cup knockout, then, you know, it would be disappointing. It'd be really, really disappointing. But failure at this point, considering some of the results and performances we've we've seen, I I probably would say that's too harsh a word. But hey, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what what the situation will be in the coming weeks? And um, and we'll have to wait and see. But let's hear some more answers then, because like I said, there's a few polarising opinions on this issue. Um, Cunroll on Twitter has said the Premier League and the FA Cup would constitute as a successful campaign. Whereas Jake Davenport wades in on Facebook with Champions League for me above all else. I'd take the FA Cup and another Prem title, but it's got to be the Champions League as the main priority. Two pretty contrasting takes there with two completely different outcomes. I think I probably come at this from the opinion that the Premier League has always remained the priority and I think we can we can be agreeing that that's the priority for the management team and that's the priority for the players. And the reason that being is that the the Champions League is so unpredictable it makes it almost impossible to prioritise because you just don't know what's going to happen. Clubs no matter of the wealth or size or talent pool can effectively control what happens in what is basically seven matches after the group stage of, of knockout football. And 99% of the time in a 38 game season like we mentioned before the best team and the most deserving team will win the league. 
I do think Jake's answer opens up an interesting discussion around the Champions League and City's plans, though, because the only saving grace from last season's final defeat against Chelsea was it felt like the hurdle of reaching a final had been jumped over and that, that sort of hoodoo that some clubs have of, of making it to that stage was was disappeared. Um, I've mentioned plenty of times, really, in different places. Teams very rarely win their first European Cup final and the experience of coming so close, especially when you've still got the same group of players, can sort of be invaluable a little bit. So say City don't go all the way this season, I think exit from the competition will sting a little bit because it felt like, you know, right, okay, after that Chelsea game, let's go on and do it next time. Similar to the way Liverpool did in in Kiev and they went to Madrid the next year. It would feel like if there was a limp exit from the Champions League or a disappointing final defeat again, it would be like, okay, now what is it going to take? Yeah, I think as far as how bad it would sting this season, I I think it's the manner of the exit. Um, you know, if you play two legs with Atletico Madrid in the quarterfinal and it finishes, you know, 3-3 three, three after two legs and you lose on penalties, it's like, what what really can you do? I mean, that yeah. is a really tough European tie and you, you lost on penalties. Um, as far as just backtracking to the original question, the Champions League for me is a funny one because I in recent years have so desperately wanted city to win it almost purely from a selfish point of view, mm. not because I believe it makes them the best team in Europe or, or anything like that. It's because I want to just like shake the hoodoo of yeah, not having yeah. won it yet when they've, they've had teams good enough to win it on multiple occasions. Um, I want to I want to break that duck of the whole. Well, you haven't won the Champions League yet, so you're not yeah, a big club yeah. or or whatever. Or tell me when Pep wins the Champions League without Messi. All, all yeah. of that nonsense. Um, what would the banter pages post though if City did win the Champions League? What what would they be able to do then? That they haven't won two. Oh, Honestly, yeah, that, they're that not won back to back Champions League. Because yeah. Chelsea have won two, United <laughs> have won have won multiple European yeah. Cups. Liverpool have got six or seven or thirty. What I can't remember what the last <laughs> count was. Um, Changes. So I, g- genuinely, I think I think that's what it would be. Is that city haven't won two yet? Yeah. But but I, I I'm the same. I feel the same as you, which is the Premier League for me is always the ultimate goal because right now the Premier League is the best league in the world, and if you are winning that league, it's because you are the best team in that league. S- simple as that. You know, it's like here in the U.S., the Super Bowl absolutely does not decide who the best team in mm. football is. It's it decides who was the best team in a three-week period, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think as far as the Champions League, I want to. I want City to win it so desperately for purely selfish reasons. Um, but if you go out in a kind of understandable way, they'll be back next year. Eventually, City are going to win a Champions League at some point. It's going it- to happen. It might not be under Pep. It might be 10 years down the road. It's going to happen at some point. Um, I truly believe that winning the league is the first and foremost, most important thing each season. It'd be interesting to get your opinion on the sort of your relationship with the Champions League as a competition, because I don't think it's any secret for a number of years, possibly the Chelsea final changed that a little bit, but a number of years, City supporters didn't have that affinity with, with the European Cup that other teams did. And I, I definitely fall on that sort of that sort of play. And as much as the Champions League final defeat stung, 
I'd felt different defeats had hurt more. And I don't know the sort of the differences between being at the ground, you know, stuff like that. There was all sorts of complexities and it was COVID, you know, so blah, blah, blah. But it does feel as if there perhaps is a tide changing a little bit where City's relationship with the Champions League and a lot of that has to do with UEFA and obviously the the sort of the, the three or four year period where it seemed every single week there was a new sanction being put on UEFA by, uh, f- f- put on City from UEFA. But it does feel like that maybe is changing a little bit, and I, I 100% am with you. That who do that that sort of tag that City have never won it. As soon as that disappears, it's a different ball game. And to be honest, I, I don't know where the Champions League would stand for me then if it would even sort of constitute as a, as a sort of massively important fixture, at least the group stages anyway. Because for, for me, I think they are turning into somewhat of a non-event, and it seems as though the, the format's going to change again. So it. it it's constantly evolving and it's never like City have had a chance to really build up a strong um, connection with that competition and, and possibly when it was starting to change with that Real Madrid last 16 game at the Bernabeu, two weeks later, three, three, uh, three weeks later, pandemic hits and suddenly we're all inside for 18 months. So I don't know where you come at it from a sort of a relationship point of view. I think the most telling thing for me is when City lost the final last year in Porto, I was over it in a week. Yeah, yeah, spot on. I, I was really hurt for 72 hours, especially the manner of the defeat and the kind of what-ifs that were mm. left over by that game. Um, but I was over it in a week, and I was focused on what's City going to do to win the Premier League next season, Yeah, um, not the Champions League. Whereas, you know, like I said, that, that, that defeat stung for a week. Whereas in, in 2018-19, if City had, you know, lost – if Vincent Company doesn't score against Leicester and City lose the league to Liverpool by a point, I'd st- I would I'd still yet to be over it today. Mm, if City, if, if Liverpool come back and win the league this year, it will take me years to get over it. Genuinely, yeah. yeah. Whereas if City lose in the Champions League quarterfinals to Atletico Madrid in in two weeks' time, you know, like I said, three three on penalties or whatever, I'm going to be like, God, that stings a lot. But but who do we have in the league this weekend? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that that right there kind of that right there told me what my relationship was with the Champions League. It's something that I'd love for City to win, and when they get really really close, then it's kind of like, all right, I'm I'm into this now, and mm. and and this is really important. But when we start a group stage campaign back in September, I true I couldn't care less to yeah. be honest. Yeah, a lot of that I think has to do with the 38 game season and. For a league campaign, whether you're playing it or you you sort of consuming it as a fan, that emotional, that physical investment you have to put into uh, what is it, August to mid-May campaign is so taxing, and it's so you know you go through the highs and the lows and the permutations and whatnot. Whereas for City, making it out of the Champions League group stage is no longer a, a big achievement. That's sort of that's mandatory, really. So you're looking at from mid-February to mid-March is when you have the, the first leg of the knockout games. And usually if City win the group, it's a it's a bit of a non-event, really, that game. We saw it with sports and it was done in the first game. So the second leg was, you know, City haven't really played a tough Champions League game this season, is what I'm saying, bar that PSG double away from home and at home. So it does feel like it's condensed into a couple of week periods and say City lose, okay, that's it, turnover. Whereas that league period is so stretched and it's so elongated, it really is difficult to shake that off. Um, 
some more responses then, because we've had about 250 people chipping on this, which is absolutely fantastic across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, definitely doing some more stuff like this. Apologies if we haven't had time to read out everybody's response. I think it'd be about a 14-hour episode if we did. But I think this one from the Disbury Blue is perhaps possibly the best one we've got so far. And he's actually ranked every single combination of trophies City could win and given them a rating out of 10, which is <laughs> superb commitment. And uh, he's done a better job than we have in terms of preparation for this. So are you ready, Adam? Are you ready for this uh, definitive list of what it would a successful season would constitute for City. Yeah, this is incredible work. I think the Didsbury Blue is going to have to come on the show at some point yeah, down the line yeah. just for this. Yeah, definitely. So they started out with the FA Cup and just on its own said that would be a 5 out of 10 season. Premier League on its own, 8 out of 10 season. Champions League on its own, 8.5 out of 10 season. Premier League and FA Cup together, 8.5 out of 10 as well. Champions League and FA Cup together, 9 out of 10. Champions League and Premier League, 9.5 out of 10. And then finally, Champions League, Premier League and FA Cup, 10 out of 10. There is a lot to unpack there, but are there any in particular that you disagree with or are there any that you think, yeah, that's absolutely spot on? You know what? Something I haven't mentioned in this discussion yet is... The fact that we play Liverpool in the semifinal of the FA Cup makes me want to win the FA Cup a little bit more than maybe I would have yeah. if we had drawn Chelsea or if Liverpool weren't in this in the, anymore. And I've spoken on on the show before about how because of that whole Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola narrative, <laughs> I had just have this like mental thing where I'm just so desperate to see Liverpool win as little as as little titles as possible mm. before Klopp mm. leaves the club. And part of me is so desperate now to win the FA Cup because we have to go through Liverpool to do it. Yeah. Whereas if the final four wasn't featuring Liverpool and we lost in the, the semifinal and still won the league and, and the Champions League, whatever, then I would be like, that doesn't matter at the end of the day because we've still got the league and the Champions League. Whereas there's a there's a huge potential that City win no trophies and Liverpool win a quadruple. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So really I'm kind of at a point where like all I care about is just doing better than Liverpool <laughs> in each competition. I, I'm sure there's yeah. going to be someone clipping this and being like, "Oh, we're we're rent free in their heads," but that's just where we're at in this yeah. this current yeah. era right now. Um, it's got, yeah, it's like a petty younger brother trying to get one up on the sibling who, who's yeah. favored by the parents. But the one thing from this this Didsbury Blues ranking list here is that he values the Champions League 0.5 more than the Premier League. Mm. Um, and as we just discussed in the last 10 minutes or so, I think, um, I think I'd rather see, if I had to choose one or the other, I think I'd rather see uh, City win the league. The Premier League? Yes. Yeah. Premier league. yeah. Interesting, interesting. It's weird because I would sort of... Um, methodically have Premier League or Champions League on their own as an automatic 10 out of 10. I, I just think that's where we are. But but this this list was was superb and, and absolute big shout out to the Disbury Blue because it's, it's really made me chuckle actually seeing the combinations and seeing the sort of things that, and, and running through my head thinking of like what would have to happen for that to, to come true. I think you make a good point about the semi-final against Liverpool and it feels a lot like City's first trophy after that 30-odd year hiatus and, and beating United in the semi-final. Because that actually, along with beating United in the semi-final, City's first FA Cup semi-final for a number of years. 
ended their chance of a treble that year. Obviously, they'd won the league and they got to the Champions League final, so they only ended up with that that one trophy. But they're in a very, very similar position to where City are now. And it does feel like if City are going to stop Liverpool from doing the quadruple, it's going to have to be themselves that do it. And and, and I think equally, if Liverpool are going to stop City doing the, the treble, it's going to be themselves who are having to do it. That's just where we are with the sort of state of European football and, and the Premier League as it stands. Um, but, in terms of those sort of games that we spoke about, let's do a little bit on City's running then because when football returns after the international break, it's going to be a pretty hectic couple of weeks and I do think we're going to have to need like the next seven days just sort of holistic, a bit of meditation, a bit of yoga and just a detox from social media because when we return, it's going to be pretty mental. Um, here's City's April as it stands then. So we return against Burnley that's away from home. Then it's Atletico at home in the midweek. Liverpool at home in the Premier League. Atletico second leg away in midweek. Then it's off to, hopefully not, but we'll probably wait and see, Wembley for Liverpool in the FA Cup semi-final. Then it's a midweek game against Brighton at home. Then it's Watford at home at the weekend. Then it's Leeds away. Now, we're not even done there because at some point, the Wolves game will need to be played as well. And I think there's only in April one midweek period. I think it's between Watford and Leeds where there is a gap. So there's likely a chance that we could be playing another game in April. That is unbelievable run of games, isn't it? And, and pretty much that's where City win or lose the season. What's interesting is I actually think, I, I think obviously there's the the big four games mm. in there that everyone has kind of highlighted. The two Atletico games with, with two Liverpool games on either end. Um, I think that the season can be lost there, but I don't think that it can be won. Okay. Um, in the sense that if we win all of those games... <laughs> We're just exactly where we were two weeks earlier with still some tough game. You know, we still got to go to Leeds. I think we still got to go to Villa on the final day. Um, We still got to go to Wolves. There's still some really tough games in there. Um, So I think that as well, that's a big one. West Ham's going to be a massive one. Yeah, West Ham's a big one. So funnily enough, I think that you can, you can see the season thrown away in that, in that, four game stretch right there. You can obviously go out of the, the Champions League. You can um slip in the in the league and have Liverpool overtake you. And and I haven't said this yet on the show, but I do think that if at any point in the race Liverpool jump back into first with even games of course, not like they play, you know, mm, before yeah, City on a yeah. weekend, um, then I think it's game over. I think yeah. that's too much of a mental blow. Um so I, I don't think that you can you can win the season there, but you can have it slip away. Um, but it's going to be, if you're looking at it from a completely neutral, non-emotional point of view, it's going to be so intriguing to see how those four games play out. How does how is the squad rotated, mm. um, and so on and so forth. You know, when I'm thinking of like when I play in FIFA and I've got to run like that, <laughs> yeah. I make like a perfect two perfect teams that are yeah, equally yeah. balanced as far as quality. Whereas do we see one game get favored over another? And and do we see, you know, Phil Foden and Riyad Mahrez start in two of the games and not in the other two and things like that? I think it's going to be so, so intriguing. It it brings me back to the Barcelona-Real Madrid era Mm. that I mentioned Mm. earlier, where I think there was a one-week period where they played a a midweek 
first leg Champions League semifinal, a league game at the weekend, and then have the second leg against each other yeah. the following week. Yeah. And it was just, I remember that seven days being just so tense and so intriguing to see how the teams were rotated. What were the mind games played in, in each game? You know, do you kind of, do you switch up your game plan from game to game? And uh, it's going to be so, so fascinating, um, but I'm going to lose a lot of weight from throwing up. That's for sure. Uh, the, the way on, on the coach back from Southampton when that FA Cup draw was done and it came out that City were going to play Liverpool in the FA Cup and that means two games against Liverpool in seven days, two games against Atletico in seven days. The way I was sort of feeling at that moment in time was a little bit like, you, you know, that sensation or that feeling you get at twofold really either in a major tournament or at a music festival when you're sort of in a bubble for a period of time and it seems like the time stops and everything around you freezes and although we are going to be in like you know a usual home setting and there is going to be league games you know work etc it's not like the summer where we've got all the beers out and the street parties and whatnot but it does feel like there's going to be it's just going to feel tense. It's going to feel like everyone's on edge for that period of time, especially because it's what? Atletico, Liverpool, Atletico, Liverpool in a 13-day period in three different competitions. That's that's mentally taxing no matter what sort of, how much investment you do in emotionally or how much, you know, if you're at the games or if you're not at the games, that's going to be tough. That's going to be really, really difficult. One thing that made me feel slightly better was I was absolutely bricking it when I saw this four game stretch but I went to one of the bigger Liverpool outlets on Twitter Mm. and they had posted something similar yeah uh, with their run-in with I think it's Benfica City Benfica City yeah yeah um and seeing the the fear in the comments there from Liverpool fans (laughs) made me feel a little bit better yeah Yeah. because in you know it it feels like I don't know it, it feels like we're the only ones that are scared but we're not um, yeah, so that that made me feel shared. slightly better. It is definitely shared. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask to ask you to sort of a difficult question here, but those four games, three different competitions. If you're the manager right now, and obviously international break injuries can change, and there's a Burnley game before that. Let's not discount that. It's going to be a massive game. But for that 13 game period, if you were to rank the sort of the importance of each tie in terms of what you do with the squad, do you like you say go for two but two different balanced teams because Okay, that could work, but sometimes it, it has a detrimental effect where you know you're not playing your best eleven, you're playing a sort of a decent enough eleven twice with with two, uh, <clears throat> twenty-two different players, or depending on what Zach Steffen does, twenty-one different players. Um, so, so where are you sort of coming at it from now with the sort of proviso things could change? Is it Liverpool at home in the league first, or is the sort of more complex complexities to that? I think it's more complex. I think looking at the the run in for both teams. I think that we've got the upper hand in that in that stretch because we play at home before the league game. Yeah. Um so I think likely what we'll see is as close to if not the strongest 11 possible for the first leg against yeah. Atleti at home. You may see, you know, a few small tweaks in there like Jesus in on the right or or, or Sterling in for Grealish or something. Um because, you know, I think this is a team that that is built to be able to play, you know, Saturday to Wednesday or Sunday or Saturday to Tuesday, Sunday to Wednesday with 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 small tweaks. And I think that it seems like the City players thrive on that. You know, I think the times that we've seen City go on these immaculate runs is when they're playing 
weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek for a month or two months. And, and mm. they just get into this rhythm where it just, they just don't drop mm. their pace. Um, so I think that's a huge factor. I think we're going to see really, really similar teams for the first leg against Atleti and the home game against yeah. Liverpool. And I think those teams are, are going to be close to, if not the strongest possible 11. And then from there, when you go, you finally have to go away in Europe and then come back for the FA Cup, then I think that's where we see some mm. rotation. Yeah, win that first uh, leg in the Champions League comfortably. And who knows, against Atletico, the Spanish champions, comfortably isn't necessarily something other than a 5 0 win. But win that game comfortably and have a cushion going into that second leg, suddenly the picture changes. What I find intriguing about this spell, and again, caveat by saying the Burnley game is there have to win that because that completely throws it out the question you know who knows what sort of team we'd see against Atletico at home if we lose that Burnley game or drop points there um but the intriguing part for me in this sort of quad schedule of games is that lose one and suddenly everything is hanging by the balance the the, the margins for error that we spoke about at the top and to bring it full circle this is why you cannot prioritize the Champions League because the unpredictability of it is so insane lose one of those games and suddenly on the back foot completely and and, you know you're just trying to bat away as much as you can to use a cricket analogy so it does seem as if that's going to that that could be the sort of the, the turning point for the season, and the alternative to that is win four. And again, like you say, at the end of April when the Champions League comes back around, and then there's an FA Cup final mid-season, it, we do it all again. It, it's really, really difficult, but that's why we love football, I suppose, isn't it? That's why we're invested, and that's why we're into it. Uh, I don't know if I share the love of football for this <laughs> for this for this reason right now i'm i'm getting a bit tired of these types of games to be honest i used yeah. to love them i think they just take too much out of me these days and i'm sure a huge part yeah. of that is like social media tribalism yeah, and all yeah. that i think back in like back when we were first kind of beating united to leagues and and in 2011 when we won the the fa cup semi-final over them I didn't necessarily have, I mean, let's see, it was what, 2010. I was 14 years old, mm. 15 years old at the time. I don't think I was on Twitter, Yeah, you know, having like thousands yeah. of people that I could broadcast yeah. emotions to and have hundreds of people coming back with their same emotions. So it was like you lived in this little bubble of your own joy or despair, mm. whereas the joy and the despair has been exaggerated yeah. tenfold in recent years with how public and how how much of a social media thing football tribalism has become. So I am dreading every second of it, to be honest. Um, If I could safely have somebody hit me over the head with a a mallet and wake me up in mid-May, I would absolutely take that right now. I'm with you there. Maybe we do it to each other. But obviously, from from your point of view, you've got an international break with with your national team with with stuff riding on it, haven't you? So it could be quite a a difficult few weeks for you, Adam. Well, I chuckled when you were talking to me about uh, England playing in major tournaments and and how much of a bubble you live in and I was going to say I know nothing about that because <laughs> we haven't been to a World Cup since 2014 and our major tournaments are against any combination of honeymoon islands so <laughs> the mighty um, Panama offshore bank yeah. accounts but we the U.S. does have in the next two weeks uh, our World Cup hopes hanging in the balance we've got to go to the Azteca to play against Mexico mm. which is obviously for any any country in the world is a tough game. Um, so yeah, it's, it's crunch time for sure. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna show you something here. Now obviously everyone listening on, on the podcast can't really see this, but I picked up this in the week. Yeah. <laughs> what what day should I wear this then to support the Mexican? <laughs> For the benefit of the the listeners, it is the um, I think it's last year's Mexico home shirt, the black and pink one, is in a TK Maxx, which I think you you guys got is it TJ Maxx, a sort of like outlet sort of T- store. Yeah, TJ Maxx. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I picked up that for twenty quid, brand new, and uh, possibly shouldn't have shown. I have that. I have no opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have an opinion. I have an opinion. It's, I'm not willing to stay on the public podcast. Yeah. Yeah. God, if if the US men's national team don't go through and City start having a few bad results, this is going to be a very, very grumpy podcast in a, in a couple of weeks' time. But um, before we get out of it, just picking up on, on a bit of the women's team as well, because they also made it through to the semi-finals of the FA Cup, beating Everton, which is actually funny because they, they were playing Everton at the same time. The men's team were in the in the their quarterfinal and they got beat 4-0, City's women's team. I think it was a four-one win against uh, against Everton. So Everton got knocked out of two FA Cup quarterfinals on the same day, and they're actually going really strong. They're just three points off the Champions League places now. They've got a game in hand against United, so it'd be absolutely fantastic given some of the sort of stuff they'd had to go through at the start of the season with injuries and stuff. If if the women's team can bridge it into that that top three and get Champions League football again, and, and hopefully after that get into the Champions League group stages, but. I think we've covered an awful lot in the sort of time we've been together today, Adam. I think we'll call it a day there. Anything else to add? Nothing. Hopefully, uh, well, we will be back next week and we'll have some more, uh, I think, kind of concept episodes that we had talked about a bit and we'll see. We'll have something fun planned for next week since there's no games, but maybe it's just another 50 minutes of talking of <laughs> existential dread from yeah. the next few weeks so it, it do- definitely feels like the calm before the storm i'm going to you can't but i'm going to enjoy this international break i think england play the ivory coast and switzerland so i think i'll be washing my garden pegs or cleaning the <laughs> towels or painting the skirting boards when those games are going on especially cuz uh, what is it four four city players involved so Touch wood, fingers crossed, no injuries, and, and we we're back again after the international break. But yeah, we'll we'll be we'll be chucking in some concept episode, doing some really fun stuff. Um, if you've got any any questions for us that you want to answer, that this is perfect time to do it. You know, not necessarily the immediate here and now footballing questions, anything that has been on your mind and you'd like us to sort of agony ant over them, then then throw them our way. But other than that. I think we'll call it a day there. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. If you can, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and a review. If you listen along on any other podcast streaming platform that allows you to rate or review, please do. It really does help us out and we really appreciate it a lot. But I've been Elvis Murphy. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Adam Booker. And until next time, see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.